Hey everybody, what's up? It's Chase. Welcome to another episode of the Chase Jarvis Live Show here on Creative Live. Very excited to be in your ears right now. And today's a micro show about a very important topic. I would say it is probably the fastest emerging topic in my life and has had the biggest impact on my life in the last, uh, I would say, five years. Um, and right now, if you're not saying, whoa, I need to pay attention, uh, then <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Uh, I don't take this lightly, and I, I truly believe that what I'm about to share uh, will at least give you a primer into uh, a point of view that can help transform not just your creativity, that is the focus of this show, but I believe it can help you transform your life. Uh, and right now you might be saying, well, okay, get to the punchline. What is it? I want to talk to you about when mindfulness meets creativity. And I first started getting, you know, these questions, the inquiries around mindfulness. I started talking about it a lot uh, nearly eight years ago when I got into transcendental meditation. And meditation then over time has evolved, I guess, expanded its footprint in my life to specifically include mindfulness and awareness. And uh, so much so that uh, as an example, my wife, Kate, uh, is as a thriving practice as a mindfulness and meditation teacher. Now, mindfulness, uh, I'll, I'll get into a little bit of the sort of the vernacular uh, and how you can put it to use in just a second. But I believe it's a misunderstood term and or concept. And uh, hopefully you've been seeing it in pop culture as it is, it is rightly getting more attention in the last several years. And again, I would say for good reason, because it is a superpower, um, uh, much like what you probably learned or have heard about meditation, that it sort of underpins the, every aspect of our day to day. I think, uh, mindfulness is, uh, a larger part of that footprint and can be transformative. So I, I received a question online and I've adapted it a little bit, but I thought it was a good primer or a good way into the material. And the question was, Hey Chase, how did your focus and or perspective on mindfulness change over your career? And specifically how has that impacted your creativity? So if we use that as the inroad, um, I made a handful of notes here and uh, I'm just going to walk through each. There are, let's see, about five principles or five points that I wanted to touch on. And the first of with, which is, um, is the environment that we all operate in. Now, the world has changed, right? We, for many of us who used to go to an office or a studio or a workplace, uh, that has changed. Um, you may find yourself in your home <laughs> working remotely or at a shared workspace, or um, if you're working on your side hustle, maybe that is a place that you're working in on a commute into a different job and you're trying to make the most of the time. So the physical awareness, your, your awareness of the environment in which you operate 
happens to be a really key, I would say, opportunity um, to to uh, improve. Uh, for most people, they feel like a cork in the tide that they are. Uh, they just have to show up and work wherever. And if you're not in control of your schedule for whatever reason, uh, you may feel like a cork in the tide at work. Maybe you're an introverted person and you have an open office, and the um, and so you don't feel like you can get much work done. Or perhaps conversely, you are locked in an office with no exposure to people, and you're an extrovert and so you feel alone. You don't have thought partners and collaborators. Uh, maybe it's even as simple as a messy desk, or as I mentioned earlier, this idea that you're you're working on your side hustle on your commute on the train in. Um, the the point that I would like to make around how my personal understanding, my mindfulness, my awareness of my physical environment, it. Um, I wrote about this in Creative Calling, and I would employ you to first realize that you are not a cork in the tide. Let's say you are the person who's in that in that open office space, um, feeling like a, a victim or uh, feeling less than optimal. I would ask you the question, what have you done to alter that environment within your control? Uh, one example would be noise canceling headphones. Again, I, I wrote for pages on this in creative calling because it was transformative to me um, to be able to take quiet with me anywhere that I went. If you uh, are ever are ever b backstage with me before I uh, go out to give a keynote or something like that, I will have noise canceling headphones on backstage and I'm shutting out all the other noise. I still need to be in that environment, but my awareness of what my neurology, what my nervous system wants and needs, whether that's before I go on stage or when I'm doing deep work uh, at the studio. Um, that is one small aspect of intentionally curating to the best of my ability, my physical surroundings. Now, I'm using this as I think a rather extreme example, because for most of us, if we say work from home, we can lock ourselves in a back bedroom if we want to get away from uh, our, you know, the other people, our, our roommates or, or your spouse or partner or kids. Um, and that may or may not be a choice for you. You also might be able to be outside if you're taking breaks or that is where you're doing your creative work. You're walking outside to get inspiration. Most people, again, I found through my own experience and through talking to hundreds of people uh, in in researching for a creative calling, they feel like those circumstances are largely out of their control. And I'm here to remind you that my focus and perspective around this one of five items was the physical environment and whatever you can do to change it, you should take those steps and they should take them deliberately, intentionally, because... Uh, it will, I believe, help shape the rest of your experience. It's fair to believe or fair to understand that, you know, if you're a, uh, an oil painter and you are trying to carve out time on the, on the commute for painting, that might be difficult. So I don't want to pretend that there aren't limitations here. Um, but whether you like your desk messy or tidy or whether you, um, again, want quiet or you need to be in a coffee shop where you're hearing stimulus and it makes you feel you know, like you could write forever. Um, 
your awareness, your mindfulness about that in your own world is critical. So thing one, how my focus and perspective on my mindfulness and awareness changed over career and impacted my creativity. Number one, setting up my physical environment so I can be most successful. Sounds so basic, right? But it's, it's hard for me to overstate how impactful and important this was. Thing two, and this thing I'm about to mention was arguably uh, a common thread of at least 100 of, say, my 250 podcast guests. I'll also reference my buddy Tim Ferriss, who, when he you know did Tribe of Mentors um, or Tools for Titans, I don't remember, um, I was in one or both of those books, and we talked about the similarities that he found in interviewing people. And the awareness of how you start your day was chief among them. Uh, for both Tim and for me. So number two on things that I can do, mindful activities to alter the impact on our creativity. What do you do in the morning, your morning routine? Now, as a, as a, uh, as a little flag, I'll say, if you search my name and morning routine on YouTube or, or Google or, or out there on the internets, there's a trove of information on that. Um, and I like to think it's helpful. There's a number of videos I've made, but here I want to go a little bit deeper. Like why do the first 60 to 90 minutes of your morning matter so much to creativity? Well, handful of reasons. We'll start with the scientific ones. Um, a scientific study of brain circuits, uh, confirmed that creative activity that is making new novel creations uh, new connections in your brain. Remember, creativity is connecting two or more unlikely things into something new and ideally useful. The studies show that creative activity, the aptitude for being able to connect unlikely thoughts into something new is highest during and immediately after sleep. There's this little phase before your rational... Um, taskmaster, <laughs> um, sometimes hard on yourself voice before that voice takes over. There's a, a, a window of time in the morning where the analytical parts of our brain, the editing, the proofreading, the list maker, taskmaster is, uh, is less active. And that part of the brain becomes more active as the day goes on. So that is one of the key reasons scientifically that making use of that somewhat, I wouldn't call it sleepy, I would call it open, where your open mind is, your aware, open mind gives you the capacity to say, this is why morning pages or journaling ends up being effective because in the morning you're, you're, you're less judgy of what you put down. You're more likely to write something that would make you feel vulnerable. Uh, you're just open to to what I would consider the creative process, the creative ideas that are um, able to manifest in that state. Um, so how then do we apply that to the morning routine? I do a couple things. I, I couch my meditation in that same time where Part of meditation for me is trying to think of nothing. I practice TM meditation, transcendental meditation. You can look that up. 
Uh, but I do, as I referenced earlier, journal. I write. Uh, I'm currently on a gratitude mission. I'm practicing 50 days of intensely writing around the things I'm grateful for in the morning. Uh, it doesn't always have to be that. Again, it can be morning pages from Julia Cameron. Uh, I mentioned Tim earlier. He's written about that at length, and as have many others. But fostering uh, time for you in the morning to be creative, to take in new ideas, uh, to share your thoughts with yourself. Um, for me, as an example, uh, yet another example, I wrote Creative Calling in the morning, early, early mornings. I allowed myself to get up and as a part of my 90 minute, say morning routine, I wrote for 30 minutes. I didn't have a word count. I just had a minutes. I was like, I'm going to commit to 30 minutes. And sometimes I had to get up at four in the morning. And right now, if you're saying, you know, well, but the kids get up so early or I got to be at my job at 6am. Um, I have been, you know, I've long talked about the value of sleep. I also know that if you are not finding time for yourself then and your time is not your own and you may have less choices on where to carve out that time the morning is a place where i believe even if it means getting up early for six months six weeks six years becoming a morning person where it is possible to transform your life by getting up 45 minutes 60 minutes earlier so um again this advice this what i'm sharing here is both it's, it's scientifically backed, it's anecdotally backed from my own experience and talking to hundreds of people, some of the most creative, thoughtful uh, superstars in my world. Um, so in addition to the scientific, you know, uh, the, the brain's openness and, you know, less judgmental characteristics early on in the morning as a part of the routine, I also find that if you roll out of bed and dive straight into your phone, say, straight into your email, even worse, then what you're jumping into is somebody else's to-do list for you. You know, rushing straight into that work mode, not only does it derail your priorities, uh, but it also leads to midday burnout because you start every day in the trunk. You start every day on someone else's agenda. And even if your work is your own, if you are self-employed, even if um, you feel like you've got a handle on it, you check your email and then you go on to do other things. I promise those that analytical, it, it ramps up that analytical piece of your brain where you go into problem solving mode on someone else's plans for your one precious life. So if you want to avoid that midday burnout, if you want to avoid distracted thinking, irritability during meetings, I recommend that you weave these life-giving activities in the morning into your day-to-day. -day. Um, now, overall morning routines can expand to include a lot of things. For me, a cold plunge, uh, and for you that could be a cold shower, uh, some form of exercise, I'm not here to be prescriptive. Again, the headline on this episode is, is when mindfulness meets creativity. So what is it that we can do to maximize creativity? Um, and how has my focus uh, around being aware and being mindful, um, how has it changed my life? So I can't overstate the morning routine. I don't want to be pre uh, prescriptive, overly prescriptive, but I do want it to include some 
time where you don't drive dive right into your your tasks and where you make sure to cultivate that open mind open heart um moment uh in your neurology all right so again thing one setting up your environment thing two your morning routine and if let's go on to thing three um i'm going to call this awareness thing three is awareness now part of why i put this in this list as its own thing is in part because it like mindfulness the word awareness is largely misunderstood Ultimately, I believe that being mindful and being aware are the same thing. But because there's a lot more traction around the word mindful, um, I wanted to infuse the word mindful with awareness. Awareness, you might want to think of as attention. Now, undeniably, this one's more difficult to, to quantify than, say, a 60-minute morning routine or what time you get out of bed or how many you know minutes you're going to write in your gratitude. Um, but the fact that it is harder to quantify does not underscore its uh, lack of importance. Because what do we have when you boil it down? What do we have in this world? We really have one thing, and it is our attention. So ultimately, being aware of where you direct your attention is the most important thing whether you direct your attention to love and kindness for your partner or for a friend who's in need or to yourself. It ultimately guides awareness, ultimately guides everything in life. So if it guides everything, certainly it guides your creativity. Awareness, presence in the moment. So many of us spend 90% of our time, 95% of our time living in the past, replaying a conversation we had or something we should have done differently, or whether it's fear or anticipation or excitement about the future. But here's, here's the reason that those things, while they may uh, be anecdotally interesting culturally, they're, they're fake because all we have is right now. All we have is what are we doing with now and then now and then now, right? Life is a series of nows. And I understand projecting and visualizing what we might want to be or become in the future can be useful. And looking backwards and thinking about something we could have done differently and how we might change that behavior in, 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 uh, when it comes up again, those are useful. But if you have ever been with someone who's present and who's giving you their attention, or you've ever felt, as I know everyone has, felt completely at ease, completely satiated, satisfied, humbled, fulfilled, connected, it was because you were living in the now, right now. So I would encourage you, this is why meditation practices I think are powerful, your ability to be aware when you wake up in the morning is your first breath, first breath. Is that an inhale or an exhale? That is a question that a monk might ask their students. If you can reach that level of awareness, 
you have truly made it. What I find about awareness is it is fleeting like so many other things, but the goal with say meditation or with our attention is when you find your attention wandering, bring it back to right now. So many of these things can be useful for when we get into our heads and our minds racing about we should have said or did or done or if you turn your attention to your body's physical sensations, what's your heart doing? Are you safe right now? Your heart might be racing. You think about how mad you are at the moment that you missed the opportunity back there or a person said something to you. If you just turn your attention to your body, well, what is happening? Well, my heart is beating faster. I feel tense in my chest. I feel like my breathing is shallow. Just the simple awareness is a huge step. And then in order to change that, to try taking deep breaths, realizing that you are safe or that you are excited and enthusiastic about what's about to happen. You're about to walk on stage, say. If you can take those moments for what they are and the physical sensation, you will be happier, more creative, more productive. And again, if you ask me what what the ultimate in life is, it would be the ability to direct, willfully direct our attention or being aware. All right. Thing one, setting up your environment. Thing two, controlling your morning and morning routine. Thing three, what can you do to control your awareness? Um, I'd encourage you to look up my name in awareness or read about it. There are a bunch of fantastic uh, books and sources on awareness. Um, all right. Thing four on how my mindfulness and my focus on the practice of mindfulness and awareness has impacted my creativity. Thing four is my ability to communicate. Now, you might call it emotional intelligence. You may say social skills. You might consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert. I don't actually care how you label it. I think ultimately what underpins all of those concepts is the ability to communicate clearly. So many of us know someone or maybe even ourselves that maybe um, brilliant or talented or have a great idea or you can't get someone excited about your great idea because you haven't practiced the skills of being able to communicate. So many of us have great friends that are amazing storytellers. And it always seems like, you know, if they're trying to raise venture capital, that that's a, you know, that they have a leg up or, um, if they're trying to spread their ideas or the, the idea that, that, uh, communication is a nice to have is that's old thinking. We are humans. We are social animals and the ability to communicate our ideas clearly are that, 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 that ability is crucial. Listening of course is a superpower. I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, mince my words, the ability to take in information, listen again, it goes back to attention and awareness. That's what good listening is. But the flip side of the same coin, being able to share your ideas, storytell, communicate clearly is critical. I would recommend, especially in heated moments, uh, whether those are at work or at home, 
Uh, I'm a huge fan of something that's called nonviolent communication. Uh, if you don't know the term, I, I suggest you look it up. There's a handful of fantastic books about it. Um, it is the ability to communicate using language that does not uh, trigger or incite other people. It tends to be a uh, language that orients around how you feel. And uh, it is incredibly empowering and I would call it disarming to any potentially um, controversial or conf uh, uh, sensitive conversation. So not all communication needs to be wary of, uh, of those moments. I just you know, thought of that as, as we were, um, as I was sharing here, but the ability to communicate clearly, um, especially for folks that don't consider themselves uh, to have this skill or you may consider yourself shy again or introverted. The idea that extroverted and good communicators are, uh, you know, they, they go hand in hand and introverts don't have the opportunity. That's fiction. That is just a lack of practice. And I don't want you to confuse those two things. So, so many of us use our art as a great way of communicating. And I encourage that. I think, you know, art is, a, is an amazing vehicle for ideas and concepts and feelings and thoughts. Um, but being able to get other human beings interested in what you are saying or communicating clearly is a skill that you ought to work on. If you Google this or you go to Creative Live, say, for example, and search communication, there are a number of classes that will come up that can help. Um, awareness around communication is big. All right. Uh, the fifth and final thing I wanted to share with you on my journey and how mindfulness has, has evolved over my career and how it's impacted my life and my creativity is this is a slightly divergent. Um, you'll see it's, it's one of these things is not like the others because it's a little bit less um, conceptual and a little more tactical, and that is productivity. Now, in a previous micro show, I talked about um, – important but not urgent things being the place where you ought to spend as much of your time as, as possible. You know, things that are urgent and important, of course, if your house is on fire, you need to leave. Or <laughs> if you're in danger, you need to, to take care of yourself. Or if there's an opportunity before, you need to seize it. Those are important and urgent. But the best things in life, strategizing about what you want to be or become or where you what you want to do with this one precious life, not urgent but important, are uh, those things are, I think, core to being productive. And right now you're like, wait a minute, isn't productivity the, the ability to move from one thing to another to another? But yeah, yeah, I like to embed the concept of being effective because you don't want to be busy, right? A hamster on a wheel is busy. You want to be productive and you want to be effective. Now, prioritizing mindfulness and awareness, for example, prioritizing how you direct your attention can sometimes seem counterintuitive because it's um, it seems whimsical and you know light and playful but I assure you that working on the right thing rather than just working on something big difference there so over the long haul your career is a marathon it's not a sprint and neglecting activities and rituals and things that bring you joy, things that, that it feels good. Human beings like progress. They like moving things from A to B, 
Um, we ought to be good with just being, with just sitting, with not feeling like we have to be doing all the time. And in rest, we may find that we are more productive when we are active. Your ability to understand this for yourself, understand what productivity is for you when you're most productive, when you're most effective. Now, let's look at the other side of the dangerous side of the other side of this coin. How often do you hear about artists or entrepreneurs burning out after going full throttle and bragging about, you know, not getting any sleep for 10 years and, you know, hustle porn is ought to be behind us if it's not now. Sleep is critical. I mean, so many people on the internet, you know, I think you watched uh, our dear friend Gary Vaynerchuk um, pivot from, you know, hustle, hustle, hustle to, oh yeah, I like to sleep seven, eight, nine hours a night. And whether that was a pivot in his behavior or an awareness of that, look, this is a marathon, not a sprint, it doesn't matter. My point is that the concept of just driving yourself crazy 24 hours a day is not only is it not healthy, but it is the quickest way to find yourself being unproductive. Let's think about professional athletes uh, as, a, as a better example. For them, recovery is part of the job. Russell Wilson, the quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, estimates he spends a million or more dollars on recovery every year. And right now you're saying, Chase, I don't have a million dollars. That's not my point. My point is that recovery is part of the job. That's why there are seasons, right? That's why some are that they're more, they're, it's lighter longer because that's when you're probably going full throttle and, and you need to get more sleep in the winter when uh, it gets dark at four o'clock like it does here in Seattle. That's why professional sports have a season because in the off season, you're resting. You cannot possibly keep up the level of training that a professional sport requires year round, 24 seven. Now, practicing and playing in games is a small part. Playing in the game, the game of your job, the game of your career, the game of, of life is, is not something you can choose to, uh, you know, you can, you can clock out of, but how you spend your time and whether you're resting and recovering or on the goal, go, those choices are yours. And if you find yourself not believing that you have a choice, I would ask you to look at two things. I would ask you to audit your calendar and I would ask you to audit your finances. You will find the truth of how you think about these things in those two places. Track your schedule and find out if you really feel like you don't have enough time, how much Netflix did you watch? How many video games did you play? And I'm not saying video games or Netflix are bad because they may be a part of your recovery. And whether you think you work too much or too little, uh, I find that your goal ought to be a healthy balance because in a healthy balance is where ideal, maximized, efficient, and effective productivity lies. All right. If you want to produce at a high level, maybe even an optimal level across the long arc of your life, your career, taking time for yourself, understanding your um, habits, understanding your nuances as a human, shaping them so that you can be effective is key. All right. I ought to wrap this up. In conclusion, 
I believe there are potentially an unlimited number of ways that mindfulness, awareness, uh, attention, I'll call it, impacts not just our creativity, but our lives. These five that I just shared with you, these five come quickly to mind for me, but they're also have been, I've distilled these over time from my own experience and the experience of so many others. And it makes me hope that you can use this as a lens or a filter through which to look at your own daily habits, being aware or being mindful, directing your attention on how you move through life and how this affects your creativity. Is there something or are there a, a host of things you can come out, cut out of your life that aren't serving you? Are there tools you can employ? Is something as simple as noise canceling headphones or uh, a different working environment? Is meditation, mindfulness, a form of practice? Is there a gratitude journal? Can you take some communication classes? Can you practice communicating in front of people that you know and love and trust? I don't want to be too prescriptive, but I'd love for you to use these five things. Whatever you do, I would love to hear about it. I would love to hear about your trials, your tribulations, your successes, and your failures along the way. In case you've forgotten, you can always shoot me a text at 206-309-5177. My little texting thumbs are at the other end of that number, and I will respond. I get a lot of texts through that number, as you might imagine, but I want to know how this affects you um, and if you've been able to cultivate success for yourself. So signing off for another episode here, this micro show, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, It's, again, I believe attention, awareness, being mindful is uh, has been my most powerful level lever rather for my own creativity and perhaps even my own life over the past five years now Uh, signing off without further ado i hope you have a fantastic day it was a treat to be in your ears if this show meant something to you please let me know i'm watching and listening out there for your feedback Uh, but otherwise i bid you a fantastic day and adieu well that was an awesome show but hey before you go I want you to know that I am grateful to have your ears, your attention, to have you be a part of this community. It means the world to me. Second, if you want to uh, tighten our community, our relationship, I would invite you to text me. That's right. I respond. These are my thumbs, my phone number on the other side of this. And I would love to hear from you. Let me know what you think. Um, If this is helping, hurting, what you want to see more of, less of. And otherwise, just connect with yours truly personally at the following number. Are you ready? 206-309-5177. That's 206-309-5177. And those are my thumbs on the other end of that text and back. I'm able to get back to you sometimes in two minutes. Maybe other times it takes me two days. But I can't wait to hear from you and uh, start a little chit chat. So again, thanks for listening to the show. Stay tuned for another episode soon.